In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Takes one, stakes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania, Bialica. It's with us every time, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. No Rich Ivanowski on here today. In his place, we have a Twitter legend, right, and editor for the King's Herald, Greg Wissinger. How's it going, Greg? Yeah, I'm not sure about Twitter legend. Uh, I'm not about that, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. The game plan today is kind of run through what seems like a... Uh, nearly finalized, or as close as you're going to get to that word, I guess, um, Sacramento roster, right, where I believe they're sitting at 14 guys with unannounced uh, contracts for both of the two-way guys? Uh, I'm not sure if they'll be two-ways or uh, just second-rounders. Yeah, Yeah, I misspoke there. I mean, one or both could conceivably end up being on two-ways, but we're not Mm -hmm. really sure yet. Right, yeah, and uh, I, I guess just to kind of run through one by one a little bit, our last conversation was about the bogey deal, so there's been a bit of news since then, um, one of them being Daquan Jeffries re-signing to the Kings, and I know Rich and I were really pushing for this to happen. Obviously, I was a little surprised it, it took as long as it did, but they got it done no matter. Um, I actually don't have the contract details in front of me like I should here. I believe it was two years for $3 million with the second year non-guaranteed. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's what off I off the top of my head, though. So, Yeah, and I mean, personally, I think, you know, it's a fine deal for Jeffries. I'm really glad that uh, they brought him back. This is the type of player that, you know, showed a lot in the bubble and still young, 23 years old with some upside and, you know, defensive versatility specifically. Um, I, I mean, I'm glad to have Jeffries back on the roster, and I think that we can kind of talk in hand-in-hand hand with the – minimum non-guaranteed Glenn Robinson, the third deal that went through today as well. How do you how do you feel about, you know, Robinson coming in and how that might affect Jeffries? Yeah, I'm in favor of uh, bringing in GR3. I mean, I don't think it really affects Jeffries other than there might be a little bit of competition for minutes. But, I mean, really – you look at the other small forwards on the roster or guys who would conceivably play small forward, and it's basically like Barnes and then Jeffries and yeah. Robinson. I mean, that's kind of it, right? I mean, I Barnes mean, might be a four, right? Right, exactly. I mean, I think that most of us would say that Barnes is probably better suited to play a small ball four than the three. Uh, he obviously can spend time at both, but I think there's plenty of minutes for the other two guys. And, you know, just from a depth perspective, it, it makes sense to have both of them and, and let them both have opportunities to play. 
Yeah, it does. And I think that, like you're saying, there was definitely a hole at the three spot. And, you know, health isn't a guaranteed thing with any of these guys. You need a little depth at all of the positions. And uh, small forward and point guard were where I felt like Sacramento were a little short and definitely uh, added some depth with the Glenn Robinson signing there. Um, and, you know, one other thing that, that stands out to me, I guess we can go through the signings real quick here. Uh, Hassan Whiteside was brought in on a minimum contract. This one, uh, I think was a little controversial, I guess. I mean, it's a minimum deal, you know. I think there's a low risk here, but Hassan Whiteside I don't think is going to be a fan favorite, and to come in and take Harry Giles' numbers is going to be a little bit of a hard set for some people. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, of Hassan Whiteside. Uh, I think he, he provides a lot of empty stats that don't really help you actually do much. Um but I think that the league's kind of aware of that at this point in time. You look at the fact that there were no other offers and he ended up taking a minimum deal. Uh, I was a lot less upset about the signing when I found out it was a minimum, kind of like you said. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm still not thinking he's really going to do a lot, but he's also not costing the Kings a lot. He's not going to be, you know, someone the Kings are, are stuck with for any length of time. It's a one-year thing. You know, I'm not going to get overly upset about a one-year minimum contract. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, is he really worse than Alex Len? And I personally was a big fan of Alex Len, like, relatively. I mean, but Sacramento had no rim protection. You know, I've said it a hundred times probably on this podcast, but the highest field goal percentage allowed at the rim last year. And it's like if if Whiteside can do anything, it's protect the rim, assuming he gets to just kind of, like, stand around there. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how you define protect the rim. I mean, he'll, he'll get you some blocks. I, right. I don't know if he's actually doing a, that much rim protection. I mean, yeah, technically blocks are rim protection, right? But right, it, it's, again, kind of going back to the empty stats thing. Uh, yeah, I think he cares more about getting the block than about the actual result of the play. Right, yeah, going for the home run swing that is the block and, you know, more often than not probably in a foul, more more so than a block. Um, and maybe or just missing and letting the guy score. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, definitely going to see that happen. And, uh, you know, you're not getting much better better defense from a Frank Kaminsky edition as well. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's a cast of characters for sure. Um, do you think that I, – I guess what do you think of Kaminsky to start? I mean, I don't think a whole lot of them. I mean, he yeah. he just kind of is what he is, right? He's a he's a big body. He's, you know, he he's an NBA player on the fringes at this point. I, mean, I think that kind of like what you're seeing with Weiss, I think that the deals they're signing tell you where these guys are at, right? I mean, they're they're guys on the fringe. They're guys who are are going to be coming in to try to prove that they belong. Guys who are going to try to stick it out because they want to stay in the NBA versus you know having to go play overseas or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, Kaminsky's at this point not an upside signing. He, he's a guy to fill out a roster. He'd give you another training camp body, and you know, if someone gets hurt or someone gets traded, he he's a fill-in type of guy. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what what you get from him. Like, I guess you get somebody to space the floor. Yeah, that's seven feet, and that's probably about it. But like you're saying, I mean, it's it's a minimal it's a minimum contract, and there's not much risk involved here. My concern when I when I look at this roster you know the the centers I have marked down are Holmes Whiteside and Kaminsky and then like we said there's a little bit of a question mark at a small forward like to me do you worry that 
like it's hard to tell what the front office is thinking from this offseason, right? But the one thing that I'm scared about is that they might view Marvin Bagley as a four. Are you do you think that that maybe is getting shown a little bit or am I jumping the gun? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. I think it's too early to tell what this front office thinks about much of anything, if we're honest. I mean... I mean, we we don't know as Kings fans, and I don't think that the front office knows really what they have in Marvin Bagley at this point. You know, we would hope that he could have a bounce back year, stay healthy, be productive, kind of remind us of why he was a a highly regarded recruit, even though you know there was a lot of uh, hemming and hawing when he was taken second. I mean, he was still considered like a top five, top six pick in that draft pretty easily, and it was a pretty loaded draft. So. You know, whether he could find success as a four, find success as a five, I don't think they know what they have with him. And, and I think that, you know, having more big bodies, I mean, especially with several guys on non-guarantees and, and minimum deals and things like yeah. that, I think it's just more depth and insurance that allows you to do whatever you decide to do with this team. I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, Kaminsky, he can be considered a power forward. I mean, I think he has traditionally played a little bit more on the center side, but I mean, he can play power forward just as easily. So it doesn't necessarily limit you on that scope. Yeah. And, and to counter my own point, I think that, you know, you could say that like bat, even if they did view Bagley as a center, like you need backups for reassurance since the health of Bagley is such a question mark at this point. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it is too early to tell you, right? But I, I do get a little a little worried there since personally I view him as a five. I don't think it's impossible that he's a four at this point because, like you're saying, we haven't seen him on the floor much. Um, so that is definitely still up in the air. Um, what do you? What would you prefer contractually for the second rounders in Woodard and Ramsey? Would you like to see them make the roster or you know fill some of these two way spots? I mean, I'd prefer to see one or both of them make the actual roster. You know, two-way guys are going to be able to play a lot more this season than they have been in years past. So if they do end up on a two-way, it's not the end of the world. Um, but, but, I mean, for example, like, I wouldn't want to see 
Kyle Guy promoted to the main roster so that they could both be on two ways. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I'm with like, you. My preference would be let these young guys be on the court learning and and let's see what we got in them, you know, especially since both yeah. of them were you know, kind of because they're kind of fringe first-round talents that slipped. You know, I'd rather see them on the floor than some of these filling guys. Yeah, for me, I think that Woodard is the guy specifically. I, I think I'm fine with Ramsey on a two-way, at least my personal preference. And I think that Woodard on the primary roster would be would be beneficiary for for both of them there, since I view Ramsey as a little bit more of a high usage guy, and I think he'll get more of an opportunity to do that at the uh, at the G League level. But then you know get his minutes where in this upcoming season there's more games available or percentage of games available for. G League guys, um, or for two-way guys, excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, he can come to the Sacramento team and kind of just become a little bit of a movement or spot-up three-point shooter, but I think that he has some on-ball equity that maybe I don't buy as much in Woodard, who I view more of as like a defensive potential, you know, 3 and D and fill his role type of guy, which is very valuable, especially when you're talking, what, pick 40, right? So, personally, I'm a Woodard uh, as the guaranteed guide and Ramsey as the two-way. But, yeah, I mean, either way, one of them. And do you think that, um, you know, do you worry that I've seen some people that these signings of, you know, a, a Glenn Robinson or a Hassan Whiteside, like, takes away from developmental minutes, like like some of the guys we're talking about? Or, you know, my point of view of it is I, I kind of think a healthy competition and having to win over your minutes is is beneficiary for guys at the beginning of their careers. Where do you kind of stand with that? So I, I don't think that guys should automatically be given minutes just because you know, they're they're the new draft pick, right? Um, at the same time, I think that they need to have that opportunity to earn minutes. Yeah, you know, I, I think that if you can see them on the floor, you're going to have a better sense of what you have compared to what they do in practice. You know, practice can only tell you so much. But none of these signings strike me as anything that is going to be a roadblock. Like, if any of these guys is good enough to play regular minutes, okay, just either cut or trade one of the other guys. Like, I I don't see – and it's not like they're signing huge names that are going to command 25 minutes a game and and can't possibly be glued to the bench. Like, that's just not what any of these signings have been. They're they're filling out a roster. yeah, it's kind of like they're providing a base level of NBA talent that guys have to be better than to play. Yeah, I would think that, you know, Whiteside gets specifically a little bit of a bad rep to him, but I would think a minimum contract, you know, is a different mentality compared to this huge deal that he's just coming off Robinson's minimum, um, obviously Kaminsky there as well. So I'm with you. And then you mentioned, you know, potentially – trading one of these guys if it were to come to that point. Do you think that there's value for them? Because I I mean, like we saw Robinson and Alec Burks, and I would think that Robinson was the primary piece of that trade. You flipped to Philadelphia um, from Golden State for multiple second rounders, although Burks may have held some value to them since they needed on-ball creation. Um, but both him and Whiteside, I mean, were available so late into free agency, right? And you would think if there was a market for them that they would have been picked up. So do you think that, you know, there there's something to maybe these are getting viewed as potential trade uh, trade ships at the deadline. 
I think it's very possible, and, and maybe not even necessarily the deadline. I mean, when we think about how the season's going to go, I mean, we we had the draft a little over a week ago. For agency, we started a week ago. Uh, training camp opens in a day or two, and the season's going to be here in no time. I mean, everything is on such an accelerated schedule. Well, without that kind of normal easing in process to kind of ramp up activity, there's a good chance that there could be you know more injuries this year than a normal year. And even in a normal year, there's always injuries. And guys who can play a few minutes in a rotation who are, you know, kind of replacement level player like, like a Glenn Robinson, I think that there's always going to be a team looking for someone like that on a good value contract, especially better teams that have a lot to lose by not having depth at every position. I mean, mm-hmm. so, yeah, the Warriors signed Glenn Robinson the third at the beginning of last season. He played with them for a while, and then he got traded to a playoff team who was looking for depth for the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me at all if some of these guys ended up going that path, especially guys you know, like Glenn Robinson III or Hassan Whiteside who, you know, have been, you know, productive in different ways, you know, some, you know, more productive than others, but they can contribute. They they can do something and, you know, maybe it just gets the Kings a second round pick, but, you know, it, it could potentially be turned into something. Yeah, Robinson's the one I really buy that for specifically. Um, you know, Whiteside, maybe there's a, there's a little bit of a market for him if we're talking deadline specifically, uh, on on obviously like a minimum deal makes that more appealing but Robinson was was linked to both of the LA teams and Utah as well and part of that like I I don't quite understand why he would pick Sacramento to be honest uh like maybe there's just more minutes for him yeah and that was kind of what I wrote uh earlier tonight when that news broke because when the rumor that the Kings were interested in him when that first came out I wrote that I expected he'd probably pick one of the playoff teams because why wouldn't you be part of a more successful season? But he ended up, you know, for whatever reason, maybe those opportunities dried up. Maybe those teams decided to go different directions. Or maybe he just decided there'd be more of an opportunity to showcase and, you know, end up in a good situation, you know, to set himself up for a better contract next year when more teams have money. Uh so I'm not really sure. I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was more just that there's going to be an opportunity to earn a spot in the rotation. Yeah. Um like we said a lot a lot of these moves are kind of just on in the margins and not real difference makers in either direction, but obviously the the notable free agency move this year for Sacramento was Bogdan Bogdanovich and ending up not electing to match the offer sheet that Atlanta, ext- Atlanta extended to him for four years, $72 million. Um, Rich and I kind of shared our, sh- our thoughts on that, and I'm curious where, where you stand on that situation. Do you feel like Sacramento should have matched and could have received some assets? Yeah, I mean, I was in the camp that I wanted the Kings to match, you know, to even if he wasn't part of the long-term plans to match and then try to find a way to move him later on to at least get something. But I also understand why the Kings may not have gone that way. Like, even if it wasn't the way that I would handle it, I can understand why McNair wouldn't want to match. I mean, it is something that ties up a, a good amount of money. It's not easy to move that contract in the first year because Bogey would have the no-trade clause for the first season. 
Uh, there's also the trade kicker that he could either choose to waive or not choose to waive, and you know he'd have very little incentive to waive it unless it helped get him to a situation he wanted to be in. Uh, but you're kind of hamstrung in that first year as to, to whatever he wants you to do, which limits how good an offer you can get. And, you know, Bogey's missed time with some knee injuries. He, you know, nothing serious, yeah. but he's missed time. Uh, you know, it clogs up some of the rotation. I mean, I, I get it as far as the reasons why it could be a good move, even if it wouldn't have been the way that I would have gone. Yeah, I mean, I think that we, at least I, I definitely would have liked the DiVincenzo move, obviously. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the one thing regarding the financial aspect of it, I think that, you know, down the line is where you really would have felt the flexibility, right? Because right now it wouldn't have actually given you or, or taken away any usable cap space in Sacramento's situation. Yeah, I don't think it, it was – I don't think it had anything to do with maintaining flexibility for – this offseason it was more maintaining flexibility for going forward yeah yeah um and then the one other aspect that uh, stands out to me I, I briefly mentioned it earlier is you know fox and Corey joseph are kind of the two point guards on the team right now do you think that there's a spot there that needs to be filled or you know is this maybe like possible halliburton point guard minutes or do we have to deal with more Buddy Heel being the ball handler? <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't hate it if they added, uh, you know, one more, uh, you know, kind of that that Yogi Ferrell role from last year. I, I think there's still guys out there. Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is out there. Uh, I don't think Alonzo Trier signed anywhere. Yeah, I'm not sure if he did or not. I don't I mean, there's a think couple guys Moody we... has. Moody is uh, my guy a little bit. Yeah, I mean yeah. – you know, not that there's anyone who's really going to have a, a, an enormous impact, but I wouldn't mind if there was another, you know, kind of ball handler creator. But I, I do think that in the minutes when Fox is not on the floor, you could see a, a fairly healthy dose of, of Halliburton being the primary creator there. Yeah, which I, I think would be pretty good for his development, too. Yeah, I, I don't think it'd be bad at all. You know, have him playing with Corey Joseph, for example, and then just have him, you know, kind of handling the, the distribution duties on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, kind of looking at the free agency period as a whole, it, it to me, doesn't really show the hand of the offseason. I was really hoping that, you know, through the draft and, and free agency that you would kind of get a feel of the wanted direction of this front office. And I don't think we really have that. I think that, you know, maybe that the idea and, and just maybe is to retool a little bit around Fox. Like I like that they took, um, I mean, Halliburton says nothing, right? Like he was the guy that fell. I think it was kind of the no brainer pick. And then the second two, I, I like that Ramsey was the youngest guy on the board, and maybe that means something, but I know Rich and I both had Woodard and Ramsey as our two best guys on the board at that point, so I don't think it really says anything about them there. And then, yeah, I mean, veteran minimums to fill your roster spots, like we mentioned, like we, we still don't know anything about this front office from my point of view, and I think that's a little frustrating just because you want to know. Like it's just this itch that you can't scratch, right? But I mean, it's where we're at, and I don't think that they did anything to hurt them long-term like we saw last season. 
Yeah, and I would actually disagree a little bit with you on that. I think that there are things we can take away from what they have done and what they haven't done. Uh, so, you know, you say that, yeah, they took the guys who were top of the board and kind of the no-brainer picks, but how many times over the past several years in the Vladi area did we see the Kings pass on the obvious picks or the no-brainer picks or the best player on the board to go a different direction or, or take someone that, you know, was viewed as a reach or that someone who could have been available later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw a lot of that. And so the draft, although it may not be surprising or, you know, tell you a clear story, I think it does show you that the front office had, you know, kind of done their homework, made their evaluations and knew who they wanted to take. Uh, I think that in free agency, the Kings could have overpaid. I mean, they had their mid-level exception. They could have thrown a big contract at someone. They could have overpaid. Uh, the fact that they didn't, that they just were content to sit back and wait and sign guys at the minimum, you know, who were available. You know, we heard reports of different guys that they were interested in or, or pursued. You know, there was a report that they had talked to Jared Jones Jr., who you know, I know a lot of the, the Kings Herald staff was kind of interested in. So they were looking that, at the right types of guys. That's hilarious, by the way, not to cut you off. But there were three teams he talked to, right? I think it was the, the Kings first, the Blazers, and um, I forget who else. Um, but it, it pretty much he mentioned he talked to the Kings first. And then that was like the only mention of it in the article. And it seemed like he just moved on to the other two. <laughs> well, but at the same time, what that tells me is – the Kings that, you know, we're talking to the right types of free agents. They were talking to young guys, you know, guys with upside. And, you know, if they, if they made an offer, we don't know for sure that they did, but if they made an offer, it wasn't some crazy overpay just to convince a guy to come to Sacramento. Yeah. It was, Hey, here's what we'll pay you. And if you choose to go a better team, like, all right, we're willing to miss out on a free agent if it means, the difference between paying what we consider fair value versus overpaying. That, you know, doesn't always result in the outcome of you getting the flashy free agent, but in the end, it's probably a better long-term strategy for the Kings as opposed to being coming known just as yet another Kings front office that'll pay a hefty premium just to get a guy to come to Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, Derek Jones Jr. was definitely the guy for me, and I was glad to see Sacramento even listed as, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, there were only three teams in that list, and for Sacramento to be one of them is a positive there. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I'm curious, what do you think the starting lineup 
is um, for game one. I mean, there's still obviously training camp to go through, and maybe that changes things up a little bit. But I would think that, you know, who who are the locks? Like Fox, Barnes, and Bagley? So if I was going to guess, I'd say Fox. I'd say Buddy Hilde is going to be a lock. I'd say Barnes, and I'd say Bagley. Mm-hmm. And then the question becomes, is Bagley paired with Holmes or Bielitsa? Right. Right, yeah. Actually, the one I had right in front of me is Fox, Heald, Barnes, Bagley, Holmes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, personally, I, I don't know if I'd hate Halliburton starting over Heald, but I don't think there's any way that you can do that situation after what went on last year. I, I don't think it'll happen for a couple of different reasons. One, it, for whatever fault he has, right now Buddy Hield's the better player. Like he should be the starter. Like you can't be paying a guy that much who you potentially are still exploring trade options for and bury him on the bench behind a rookie. Like you want to talk about the quickest way to make Buddy Hield even more disgruntled right. and tank his trade value. <laughs> like it just would make zero sense. Um yeah, I, I also think that the spacing, you know, w- between Fox and Heald, I mean, that, that's been a winning combination in the past. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. don't see any scenario where Halliburton is starting over Buddy. I mean, now, whether or not Buddy Heald finishes out the year or is here at the start of next season, you know, that all remains to be seen. But I I don't think we'll see Halliburton starting next to Fox, you know, barring injury or trade. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know, I think that coming back to it again, like I, I really would love another playmaker on this team. I, I like the idea of, you know, taking the ball a little bit more out of Corey Joseph's hands than we saw last year. There's a lot of frustrating clips of, you know, pounding the rock and dribbling under the basket and seemingly going in circles for 15 seconds. Um, and Halliburton has a little bit of playmaking stock to him as well, but probably not as a primary guy, even in a second unit. Um, I, I would like another creator, you know, maybe brought on to here, but I mean, when it comes down to it, like, I don't know where you're at with it, but I don't know that I really want Sacramento to win that many games, right? Like, I, I don't think that, you know, the 10th seed and then getting into this plan tournament is that beneficial for you in comparison to a top five pick in a loaded draft class. So for me, it's all about how you go about doing it. Like if the Kings make like the 10 seed, the nine seed, or, you know, even the eight seed, like if they make that play in tournament, I want it to be because Fox and Bagley are awesome. Like if that's why the Kings are making that stage of the postseason, great. I have no problem with that. If it's because we're playing 30 minutes a game for Bielitsa and, you know, like some of the old and Whiteside and things like that, like I don't want to win that way. I, I don't want to win. And, you know, you could argue 30 minutes a game of Whiteside isn't going to help you to win that much anyway. But I, I don't want to win because they're throwing everything they can at the idea of win now, you know, unless it's, you know, I want to see them win if it's because the young players are better than we think they're going to be. Yeah, and I think that actually might be the only way that 
in my eyes that that actually happens because, you know, the West is obviously stacked. We say it every year at this point, but I mean, it seems like it, it got even deeper, right? Golden State got better. Phoenix took a jump. You expect internal growth from New Orleans, Minnesota, obviously bringing in Anthony Edwards and a couple other pieces there as well. Like, I, I mean, the West, again, is it, just no joke. And I think that the scenario you pointed out is probably the way that they would be able to sneak themselves into the playoffs. And yeah, I don't think that many people would have a problem with that at that point. Um, it obviously would mean a lot of progress. I, I feel like specifically from Bagley and I mean, shoot, that's, that's great by me. Um, I, I'm going to ask you here to kind of close it out. We got a little bit of a short one today. If you had to put a grade, uh, maybe we'll break it into three parts, a grade for the draft, which personally I gave an A a grade for free agency, which I feel a little underwhelmed with, but at the same time, like we've kind of touched on here, I'm not upset either. So that probably spells about a C minus for me, right? And then as a whole of an off season, and that probably puts it about a B minus for me. Um, if you had to grade those three, where are you at? So we're looking at draft, free agency, and then as a whole? Yeah. So for the draft, I, I'd give them an A. I mean, I think that they got three solid picks. I mean, to your point, you know, they, they took really good talents who were available, who had slipped. Pretty much all three picks were that same model. You know, talented players who you can see a path to how they help the Kings. For free agency, um, I mean, honestly, probably about the same, probably about a C minus. And if you'd asked me before Glenn Robinson the third, I'd probably lean more towards like a D plus. So, I mean, it's kind of right on that edge. I, I do think that that's a nice pickup for them to get someone like him on a cheap deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, even though I'm kind of giving it a lower grade, you know, low C, high D, it's not that I'm upset about it. It's just kind of your point. There's just no moves that dramatically make the Kings better, which isn't always the immediate goal, but um, I'm also not going to give them a, an inflated grade or reward them for, for not making big blunders, right? I mean, we're not celebrating the absence of mistakes. We'll just grade based on what they actually did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, overall, for the, the off season, I'd say probably like a, a – B, maybe B minus somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, you know, they added some young guys. They are kind of resetting the deck a little bit. I do think they're going to be worse. I mean, you lose Bogdan Bogdanovich, that's probably going to make you at least a couple games worse than you were the year before. Uh, you know, we don't know what other moves they have coming, but they also lost, you know, basically their other free agents that were on the roster last year. I mean, between Harry Giles and, uh, you know, Kent Bazemore, Alex Len. You know, not necessarily that the Kings should have kept those guys, except for Harry Giles, but you know they lost talent. They lost more talent than they've added. So I, I do think that the Kings are going to be worse. I mean, even if Bagley and Fox both took a step forward, I'd have a hard time seeing a path where they're really like a a top ten team in this year's West. Yeah, and you know this isn't seemingly not on the Kings, but if that Bogdanovich-DiVincenzo deal goes through, how differently do you feel about this offseason? 
Oh, that'd be a huge difference. I mean, at that point, you'd have to feel really good about free agency that, yeah. although they lost, you know, bogey, it'd still be a downgrade in talent. But the fact that they would have gotten back a, a you know, solid younger player that kind of fits Fox timeline, I think people would have been excited about that. Or, yeah. you know, maybe we, we would have still been down on it because we would have taken it for granted not knowing how easily it could have fallen apart. Who knows? But, um I think it definitely would have improved the grade because now you're not losing bogey for nothing. But I also think that, you know, realistically the Kings weren't going to fix everything in a month and and really in a week and a half, because that's how much time we've had since the draft that it just takes longer than that to fix the state of the Kings. I mean, there's no easy way out. Sometimes you got to, take some lumps, take a step back to eventually try to take a step forward. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else I have here. I can, I don't know if I listed everyone. I guess it might be good to list who is on this roster at this point. Uh, I have them listed here positionally. I have De'Aaron Fox, Corey Joseph as my point guards, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, and Justin James as the twos. Uh, Harrison Barnes, Glenn Robinson, and Daquan Jeffries at the three. Marvin Bagley, Nemanja Bielitsa, Jabari Parker at the four, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Hassan Whiteside, and then Frank Kaminsky at the five, and then Kyle Guy sitting there at the two-way position, who, by the way, I'm with you. I I think he should stay at a two-way for now, and still unannounced contracts for uh, Robert Woodard and Jemias Ramsey. So overall, I mean, I think it's going to be a team that, is at least going to go out there and give you some some energy. I'm excited to watch games at this point. I mean, it's it, it's been a little while, and obviously a lot going on. I don't know about you. I could use a distraction, and I think it, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to to this roster at very least. Well, and we've also got uh, training camp signings, Chimizumitu uh, and Vince Edwards as well. Right. Who, yeah, I mean, those are two of the right sort of training camp guys you want to see, right? I mean, young upside. Absolutely. Bring them in, see what you got. Maybe they can earn a spot. Yeah, um, I think that's all I got for you here, Greg. You got any final thoughts on on the roster at, at its current stage? Um, just that I really don't think we're anywhere close to done. You know, I, I think that the Kings are going to keep looking at ways to make the team better. I, I think that there's a good chance they're still going to be looking at opportunities to move another veteran or two as the season goes along. Uh, it's going to be a weird year with the condensed timelines and everything like that, but I think that you know when we fast forward to next offseason, I think we're going to have a much clearer picture of where this team is going. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me to see that in, in a much different roster as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Definitely, everyone, go check out Greg on Twitter at GWIS, um, and obviously the, the King's Herald as well, and support the Patreon there to support uh, independent King's coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here. <laughs>